What's going on, family? Happy Monday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction Quick Hits. I'm your man, GB, Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you had an absolutely amazing New Year's weekend, New Year's Eve, day one, etc. Let me be the first to wish you a happy and healthy and prosperous 2022. I told you last week that the world of wrestling was going to kick off in a big, big way, and we're going to talk about day one and a lot of other things. But first, as always, a big thank you for all of you who continue to support all things connected to the faction. I don't take this for granted at all. The fact that you've been rocking with us all of this time, and I believe this year is our six-year anniversary. I'm going to double-check that, but I absolutely believe it's six years, seven years, six years. I'll check for sure, but I'll tell you this. It has been an absolutely incredible ride, and I'm super excited about what this year is going to bring. Actually, I think it's seven. This is 22. Anyway, I'll figure that out. Be that as it may, thank you for rocking with us. If you're not already tuned in or connected to us, follow us on the socials at The Faction Show. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Check us out. You're going to enjoy it. And speaking of that, I want you to go back and check out our two-part year in review episode. It was so good. If you guys, and I know some of you have been joining the train and have not heard from our brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, let me tell you, they did what they do and have historically done on these two episodes. So go back, check out those two episodes that we have dropped, our best of 2021 year in review. We talked about all of the stories that you guys had the opportunity to vote on for the biggest story of 2021. So go ahead, hear our take on all of it. We'll be releasing some of the video from that conversation as well. But it was so much fun. And this year, you'll be hearing from them more. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. It's going to be a lot of fun, the things that we'll be talking about relative to the faction. The last thing I'll say before I jump into today's bit of news for this episode is this. If you're not already doing so, share what we're doing with a friend and follower. It is greatly appreciated. And if you have not heard already, the story that you voted as the fans as the biggest story of 2021 in a very close vote, it was like 56 to 44%, something like that. CM Punk returns to pro wrestling that's the story that you voted as the number one story of 2021 followed by the story of black wwe champions which was a major situation for 2021 that's what you the fans have said if some of you disagree fight it out with each other but that's what you guys voted so congratulations to cm punk and of course the black wwe champions being big e and bobby lashley who happened to be a big part of the start of this episode of the faction so we're going to start with day one WWE has decided to kick off 2022 in a massive way for the first time ever. They gave us a pay-per-view on the first day of the year, New Year's Day, right here in the ATL, Atlanta, Georgia, a sold-out arena. And if you watch the pay-per-view, you heard Atlanta represented incredibly well. Nothing like a super hot crowd for a fresh product, which I have to say WWE gave us. With that said, 
here's what happened. And if you missed it, this is going to serve as a spoiler. So you may want to pause the podcast, but by now you've probably heard what happened. So here's how it went down. The pre-show had Sheamus and Ridge Holland defeat Cesaro and Ricochet. Ridge Holland was actually taken out after suffering a broken nose during the match. During the actual pay-per-view, the Usos retained the SmackDown Tag Team Championships against the New Day. Drew McIntyre defeated Madcap Moss. RK Bro successfully defended the Raw Tag Titles against the Street Profits. Edge defeated The Miz. Becky Lynch defeated Liv Morgan to retain the Raw Women's Championship. And in a shocker, the WWE title match became a fatal five-way that would see Brock Lesnar defeat Big E, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, and Bobby Lashley to become the new WWE Champion. So let's just get right to it. Brock Lesnar ends up in the Fatal 4-Way, which becomes the Fatal 5-Way, because the Universal Champion, Roman Reigns, has contracted COVID-19. He made the announcement literally an hour before the pay-per-view went on the air. And then WWE followed that with the announcement that Brock would be inserted into the 5-Way match. So first and foremost, our thoughts and prayers are with Roman Reigns. I think there are a couple of things to consider. And what gets hard for us sometimes as wrestling fans is to consider the importance of something like COVID-19 to a Roman Reigns. The same Roman Reigns who cared so much about his health that he pulled out of WrestleMania 36 where he was actually going to be involved in a championship match pulled out of the main event of WrestleMania 36 to tend to his health, to make sure that his family was protected from COVID. His immune system, of course, we know is compromised because of all that he has dealt with, with his battles with leukemia. So when you hear that he has COVID, it is cause for great concern. Not only is he the top guy in WWE, and there's a lot riding on that, but He's immunocompromised. Now, he is fully vaccinated, and we are hoping for a speedy recovery. Hopefully, this has not had a major impact on him, and hopefully, we'll see him back soon. And the truth of it is, COVID-19 has been impacting a lot of WWE. They just haven't talked about it as much, but they could not get around it with Roman Reigns being in the highly publicized main event. So our thoughts and prayers are with Roman Reigns, who is still the universal champion. But this creates an interesting conundrum. And so let's talk about that. Brock Lesnar as the WWE champion. Well, clearly that was not in the cards coming into day one because he was going to fight for the universal title. Now, I don't know if this means that he would have won the universal title, but what it did do is it gave us something that we as WWE fans have been wanting for years now, and that is for Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley to finally touch in the ring and it happened and for the most part Lashley kind of dominated I mean that whole spear through the ring announcers table or the barricade over there the stuff that they did in the ring like it was a teaser and it kind of reminded me of the Hulk Hogan Ultimate Warrior teaser in 1990s Royal Rumble. It was a clash we always wanted to have happen and never thought it would. And that led us, of course, to WrestleMania 6. So here's where my brain is going. Could it be that we're leading into Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley for the WWE title at WrestleMania? If that's the case, 
I'm totally good with it. Now, there's another side of it, and this is the point where two things can be true at the same time, because as happy as I am for that, I also don't get the feeling that going into day one that Big E was supposed to lose the WWE championship. So we have to take some time to talk about the reign of Big E. Let's talk about the fact that it's interesting that Brock Lesnar's last two championship reigns have come at the hands of the New Day, be it Kofi Kingston in 2019 or, of course, Big E now in 2022. That's interesting. I don't know what it fully means. I'm also not sure that Brock Lesnar is back on somewhat of a full-time basis. Does this put the WWE Championship back in that part-time space? I don't know what that does. There was a part of me that was a little upset and a little uncertain and feeling a little weird But Brock Lesnar as a face could be a different situation. People were certainly happy. He certainly had an amazing match. And I'll just say this, that Fatal 5-Way was fire, all the way fire. And if a WWE champion is going to lose a title, I'd rather him lose like that than to lose in the nine seconds that Kofi Kingston lost the WWE championship. All in all, I think this gives WWE a lot of room to play in terms of where things goes. Now, relative to Big E's championship reign, I thought he had a good title reign. I don't think it was as dominant as Bobby Lashley's was, but I will say this. I can't complain about the fact that Bobby Lashley and Big E were WWE champions ever since March of 2021. It is significant that in the history of WWE, there has never been a black man on the top of WWE for this length of a period of time. So with that said, I think it's an amazing moment. I think it has established Big E as a viable singles competitor as championship material and I don't think it's his last WWE title reign now there are some people who feel like his reign was a bit lackluster I think he defeated some incredible opponents I just think that he kind of had a bit of a challenge in terms of the time frame right like the time frame was kind of crazy around the holidays etc etc but we're kicking things up into Wrestlemania season and I think again There's a lot of places that we could go. We could see a rematch between Big E and Brock Lesnar. I don't know that we would see Big E coming out on top. Remember, we had Big E versus Roman Reigns at the Survivor Series, and nobody picked Big E to win that match. So the question's going to be, what will Big E have to do to be viewed in the eyes of many as a I don't want to say a monster, but as someone who is dominant enough to be considered a favorite or an odds on favorite to once again become WWE champion. Either way, I think all of this is good for television. I'm not willing to throw the pay-per-view away because of how it ended. I thought that was a surprise ending that nobody saw coming. And with that said, we have an interesting scenario now for Monday Night Raw with Brock Lesnar as the kingpin there. The other side of this is I don't know that we've heard the last of Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. So do we get a situation at WrestleMania where we have the Universal Champion against the WWE Champion title for title? If we do, what does that mean, right? There are lots of ideas, and I guess the idea here is with there being lots of potential options going into the road to WrestleMania, that is a good thing. 
It's a very good thing. So with that said, congratulations, WWE, for starting the year off in a big way. Now, while WWE has started off the year in a big way, AEW has got a situation on their hands that's not making them very good amongst the internet wrestling community. We'll tell you about that when we return. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. What are you doing? Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm gonna start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were gonna start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content, but that I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perceptions, reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people! I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. How about that? The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here. Lord, a few minutes later. It was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year's going to be mine, COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a win and there's a you, there will always be the S-H-W. Okay, so we have a couple of situations going on here with AEW. Now, one would figure with 2021, AEW had the real opportunity to end the year strong. After all, they've had a really strong 2021. The addition of CM Punk, of course, was absolutely massive. Then you had Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, Ruby Soho, the ultimate reunion of the undisputed era from NXT now in AEW. Like, there are so many moments that AEW has given us that all-out pay-per-view which many are calling the greatest pay-per-view of the year if not all time amazing moments but then there was this week right there are two big things to talk to you about the first of which happened on AEW Dynamite this week a promo that involved Dan Lambert and then brought out Brandy Rhodes that really I think was in poor taste, but I'll let you hear this part and you can determine that. AEW fans may be idiots, but even an idiot doesn't like the taste of that shit sandwich you're shoving down their throats. 
Gloves are off. <laughs> I actually prefer Jim Cornette. But my God, the sound of your voice makes me wish I was back in that Minneapolis street fight getting my ball stapled to my leg again by Chris Jericho. Well, at least my fam thinks that's funny, thanks. But let me ask you a serious question, Dan. When's the last time you got beat up by a woman and didn't have to pay for it? Because I'll, I'll do you a solid. I will whoop that ass tonight for free. Listen, Bambi, I'm sorry I get my stripper names confused sometimes, Brandy. I am a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. There is not a single soul watching this show that does not want to reach through the camera and slap the taste out of your mouth right now. And if I'm the lucky man who gets the privilege of doing that, let's go. Oh, so, so you're a black belt? Well, I'm a black bitch. Let's go. Wow. Well, the shoes are coming off. You. This is not good booking here. Yeah. Well, there's Dustin. Cooper yeah. has made for Vail, Tony. Yeah. Okay, so there's that. Then, following that, there is the commentary that started with Big Swole when she went on to a podcast recently, her own podcast, to talk about why she left AEW. And it had a lot to do with uh, her mental peace being disturbed surrounding diversity. And Tony Khan responds on Twitter and his Twitter response wasn't necessarily the great thing that many would have thought it would have been. So his response on Twitter was the following, quote, the top two AEW executives are Brown, me and Mega, Jade, Bowens, Caster, Dante, Nyla, Isaiah, and Mark Quinn all won on TV this month. The TBS title tournament has been very diverse. I let Swole's contract expire as I felt her wrestling wasn't good enough. Hashtag AEW Rampage Street Fight tonight. So that unleashed a huge battle on Twitter. The internet wrestling community had a lot to say when it came to AEW and representation. From there, you had wrestlers like Powerhouse Hobbs, Jade Cargill, and several others speaking out about what Big Swole said relative to diversity, about what Tony Khan has said, et cetera, et cetera. And all of this highlights a problem that AEW has relative to diversity. So I'm going to be extremely transparent and I'm going to be careful at the same time. My transparency says this. Those of you who know me and are close to me, you know that obviously with the work that we're doing in SHW as, as a commentary team, et cetera, et cetera, there are certainly aspirations to do more in the pro wrestling business. 
And so with that said, on one hand, I have to be circumspect about what I say and not be reckless. At the same time, I'm going to say something that I think needs to be said so that people understand the overarching issue here. So I believe I can encompass what you heard from Brandy Rhodes with what Swole said and with what Tony Khan has said to talk about what we have as a large issue in AEW. So AEW began and their giant claim to fame was we are going to be inclusive, we are going to be diverse, and diversity and inclusion was put on display in the very first giant press conference they had, well, technically the second one, the one from MGM Grand where they were announcing Double or Nothing, that's when we first saw Nyla Rose, and Nyla Rose would be certainly the picture of inclusion as the first trans wrestler to be on a grand scale in a major promotion like AEW. In the same space, we would see Sonny Kiss, who would certainly represent the LGBTQ community and the like, right? We then would see, you know, folks like Private Party get signed. We would see Scorpio Sky get signed. We would see other African-American wrestlers get signed. And there are those who are saying, well, hey, you can't say there's a diversity problem when one half of the first ever AEW Tag Team Champions was African-American being Scorpio Sky. Couple that with the fact that right now, Jade Cargill is the leading contender and odds-on favorite in the eyes of many to become the TBS Women's Champion, okay? So with that said, is there a diversity problem in AEW? Here's what I will say. First and foremost, diversity has a lot of looks to it, right? I think when it comes to diversity and it comes to allowing multiple spaces to be represented, you have to look at How do you represent women's wrestling? How do you represent varying communities? Be that the LGBTQ community, the Asian community, the African-American community, the Latino community, all communities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the biggest challenge with all of this is how do you do this in what is deemed to be a quote unquote credible way, right? With that said, I'm just gonna tell you what I see as a challenge. It's clear to me that there's an issue with sensitivity when at the top of AEW's live shows, they have a whole code of conduct that they share. And it talks about, you know, being kind, being considerate as wrestling fans, not being rude, you know, not making offensive jokes or offensive signs. If so, it'll be taken away. But then you have an African-American female executive stand in the middle of a ring and call herself a black B-word. Now, let me be clear. Calling any woman the B-word is not acceptable, period. Case closed. An African-American woman calling herself a B-word is not acceptable, But then when you understand that one of two things happened, either the promo was written or she wrote it herself, she said those words. So somebody somewhere didn't check that, which says to me, you don't have diversity in the spaces where it's most important. 
Diversity is important both in front of the camera and behind the camera. How do I know that you don't have diversity behind the camera when it comes to African-American females? Because you can let an African-American female call herself this degrading name and act like, whoa, and then put it on the socials as you don't want to mess with Brandy. That's not a good look, AEW. Let me further that, okay? Because now we have to start talking about a thing called microaggressions, and this is where it gets really sensitive, but I think it's important that people understand this. The years 2020 and 2021 have really been a racial awakening in the United States where there is an understanding or at least a growing understanding of what microaggressions are about what racial insensitivity looks like. And it looks like saying someone who you touted highly as a great wrestler ends up being fired because she's not a good wrestler, right? You're going to say you have diversity because eight wrestlers won on television. Well, let's talk about that. Where exactly on television did they win? Did they win on Dynamite? Did they win on Rampage? Did they win on Dark? Okay, there's that. But the other piece of it is them winning a matchup on television this month has nothing to do with what diversity really looks like because diversity isn't just diversity on screen, it's diversity off screen as well. And so what I think we have here is not just a diversity problem and not just an insensitivity problem. This is an issue of growing perhaps too fast, too soon without enough supervision. Okay, one of the things that Big Swole said was that she felt like it wasn't structured enough for her. Okay, and that's her opinion, right? She doesn't necessarily like the idea that you write your own promos. Some people aren't that creative, and that's fair. Okay, so again, here's where the problem lies if you don't have somebody who represents a specific community sitting at the table helping to bring awareness to the issues with these decisions, then once it happens, you'll think it's okay. It's the same reason why the internet community absolutely had a fit over the promo that Cody Rhodes did around Double or Nothing this year, going into his match against Anthony Agogo, where they're talking about America and this whole idea that, you know, his biracial child is kind of the American American dream, et cetera, et cetera. There is an insensitivity or a lack of awareness that people have to pick up on. And here's how I know this to be true, because you don't have these kinds of gaffes when it comes to the LGBTQ community on AEW television, right? You don't have anybody making these sorts of gaffes or having these sorts of moments when it comes to representing any of the LGBTQ talent on AEW or any of the Asian talent on matter of fact if you remember one of the Spanish commentators was fired because of an offensive thing he said about an Asian wrestler okay so here's the other issue growing too fast too quickly in public these are mistakes that likely might have been made by any other company that was growing at a three-year-old space the problem is most of them when they did that there wasn't social media there was not the publicity around all of these types of things there wasn't even a lot of television 
live television that was. And certainly when some of those things happened, they could be edited. ECW made some incredible insensitive moves, right? Incredibly insensitive. I mean, and when you're saying insensitive during the Attitude Era, it's another level of insensitivity, stuff that just wouldn't fly today. I think this is the challenge of a growing company in front of our eyes. I'm not saying give AEW a pass. I am saying AEW needs some more experienced and diverse people in certain spaces to be able to catch these moments before they happen. Because you have to be aware of the society we're in. This is a different world than what we once were in. And you have to be aware that you are representing a lot of communities. And there are a lot of people who are looking to see themselves represented well. So if you have to resort to those kinds of things for heat, then maybe we need to try something else. I'm not a fan of what happened on AEW Dynamite this week. And it's unfortunate because you had the return of Jim Ross. You had some other moments that were really, really special. But the whole Brandy promo, not a good look. Then the Tony Khan commentary, not a good look. So I'm just going to say that there is a diversity issue and a sensitivity issue that has to be addressed both behind the camera and in front of the camera. And it has to happen you cannot allow a woman of any ethnicity to come on television and call herself the b-word i don't like when jade cargill does it i don't think you have to degrade yourself to show that you are great right and i'm gonna say this and whatever right to me the b-word is akin to the n-word And I think we need to start understanding these words are never meant to be retooled. I hear people talk about how we can just retool these words and we can take power with those words. No, there is no power meant for the N word that is good. There is no power meant for the B word that is good. I think that just as African-Americans should not use the N word, women should not use the B word. Nobody should be using either of these words. So let's let's just do better all the way around AEW and everywhere else let's do better all the way around there are more intelligent ways to be able to get heat there are more intelligent ways to do effective promos than by degrading yourself and the people that you represent on screen that's just the way it is I'd love to hear your thoughts Hit us up on the socials, DM us if you'd like, at The Faction Show. I'll say this one other thing, and I think this is important too, because I prefaced everything I said with a statement, and I want to go ahead and add something to that statement. I said that I have to be careful about what I say on this podcast because I have aspirations to work in larger spaces. But here's the thing that we have to consider, and this is real. There are certain parts of our society that don't have to think like that right? There are people in majority communities that don't have to think about what they say in podcasts, on interviews, and in other places because their talent is allowed to speak for themselves and there are certain privileges that they are afforded that give them the opportunity to not have to worry about what they say. That privilege should be available 
to all people. My work should be able to speak for itself. And what I just said on this podcast should be taken as food for thought, not something that should disqualify me down the road. And I hope the same happens for all of you. Let's all get to a space where we can make it acceptable to express our opinions and have a good, honest discussion about it instead of having to worry about whether or not our future employment is on the line because we spoke up for what we believed was right. With that said, It's going to be a big week in the world of pro wrestling. Wrestle Kingdom Night 1 is tomorrow. And then Wednesday is Wrestle Kingdom Night 2 along with AEW Dynamite. Then on TBS, TBS Championship is on the line. From there, Friday Night SmackDown, which should be very interesting given now that Brock Lesnar is the WWE Champion, which I imagine he'll be on Raw tonight. A big night. And I'm sorry I've gone so long, guys. Forgive me. I'll make it up to you. With that said, lots of faction content this week. Digest it all. Hit us up on the socials and let us know. Until next time, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. My name is Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction.